Father Wayne. Hello. Welcome to In the Pews. It's good to have you. Happy to be here. So your given name isn't Wayne, is it? No. What is your your full given name? Huang Min Li. Huang Min Li. Okay. That's close enough. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, that's close enough. Huang Min Li. Huang Min Li. Okay. Oh, there's a tone to it. Yes, because it's Vietnamese. Okay. Okay. And your parents are from Vietnam. Yes, correct. Okay. Did they grow up there? Yes. Okay. And then how about you? Uh, I was born in Malaysia uh, in a refugee camp. That's where my family was moving out from uh, the country. Uh-huh. I landed there, stayed there for five years, had me, and then I came to America when I was two, and my younger brother was born in 89. So, wow. so wow. I've, been, I've been here since I was two. Wow. So your parents must have really amazing refugee stories, huh? They probably do. I just never asked. You I haven't? Never, I never really asked. Never really asked them? Yeah. They never took the initiative to talk on their own either. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can sit down with them one of these days and... You know, maybe record it. I understand you're, mm. you know, you're you're pretty savvy with the with the camera and and technology and all that, huh? Maybe one day, <laughs> one day. So they haven't told you anything at all. No, no, not really. They, not even when they lecture you. No, no. <laughs> none of that. You kids should appreciate what you you know. None of that no, stuff. Really, none, none of that. Yeah. Okay. Did you grow up Catholic? Um. No. Uh, I uh, didn't realize I was even Catholic until I was in eighth grade uh, when my mom uh, just decided to take me to church. And then uh, I received First Communion at eighth grade. So, yeah, never really uh, – uh, faith-filled family life was never really there. Okay. So when did you have the first thoughts of uh, entering the seminary and becoming a priest? Um I guess the first thought will be after my confirmation retreat, um, I had a great uh, spiritual experience in my confirmation retreat, and it was my very first time that really ex- what I thought was, well, I, what I knew was God exists and He loves me. And so because of that, I um, I had the thought of maybe I could be a priest, but then I realized that I didn't know at the time that priests couldn't get married, and so uh, I just kind of put it at the back burner. Okay, when you found out. Yeah, when I found out, which is literally like the next couple of days after the retreat. <laughs> so you're like, oh, I want to be a priest, but then, yeah. ooh, they can't get married. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so growing up, so you, you were pretty much a Christmas Easter church family? Is that pretty No, much? not even that. Really? Yeah, not even that. Like like I said, I, we, I've never experienced mass until I was in eighth grade. Even though I was baptized in the uh, in the refugee camp and everything, and my brother, younger brother, he's baptized too, but we never knew anything about the Catholic faith. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, after that one time, what 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 prompted your parents? J- just because they wanted to get your sacraments in, is that what it was? <laughs> um, I really don't know. Uh, I just, I guess, my only guess is that um, after her, my parents are divorced since I was in first grade, and so. Okay. When I was in eighth grade, it was another major transition of my life where she left the boyfriend that she was with for three years. We actually lived with with her boyfriend and her uh, sons. Okay. And so, um, and after that experience, and left him, and we moved uh, to a different part of town. That's when uh, she said, "Maybe I should just bring my kid to church." And so, that's my guess. That's okay. My guess. Did, was it a regular thing after that, or still kind of sporadic? Um, she never really went to mass on her own, even, even, uh, even when I, when she placed me in confirmation, uh, first communion confirmation. And so, Uh um, so yeah. So you becoming a priest, was that a big surprise for her? Yes, it was. Um, it it was actually to my whole family because, uh, on my mom's side are baptized Catholics, Uh but they're non-practicing. The only person that I I think that practice is my grandmother. She only goes to Mass every Sunday. But other than that, I've never seen her pray the rosary. I've never seen her do anything at at home. And on my dad's side are are, uh, Buddhists. And so, um, so, yeah. So do you think it's it's because of that, your dad's side being Buddhist, that your, your mom really wasn't that, you know, when you were much younger? I don't know. They, they didn't really talk about that. You first thought about entering the seminary. You said you put it in the back burner. When did the thoughts come back of you wanting to become sure. a priest? Um, 
I started uh, coming back to the parish uh, at Christ Incarnate Word. It's a Vietnamese parish in Elif, and um, that's where I got my first communion and confirmation. Um, when I was about 21, I decided to come back, and uh, I started teaching eighth grade catechesis, uh, pretty uh-huh. much like pre-confirmation. And, um, and so I, I taught for about five years at Christ Incarnate Word from about 21 to 25 and eventually get to confirmation level. But during that time, I met a Dominican sister, a Vietnamese Dominican sister. Um, her name is Sister Bernadette Wynn. Right now, she works at St. Cecilia. Um, but uh, she was helping with confirmation, and she actually just really kind of planted the, the seed of, you know, there's more to life than just money. Because growing up... Uh, Low income, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, I grew up with food stamps. I grew up with, you know, my mom having two or three jobs. So we, I ne- we never really had much. And so uh, I went to work and I started working in the financial services. And so I met people who have money, um, you know, multi-millionaire homes, you know, big cars, lots of cars, big houses. Uh-huh. And, and I thought that that was the answer to happiness. But meeting her, she really just you know, shared this joy that, you know, taking the vow of poverty, they only get like a $5 a month stipend just to buy whatever they want. Uh So no car, no house, but yet they were so genuinely happy. And so she planted that and and that really kind of tugged in my heart over over the years during Uh that time. And then I also um, uh, met a priest who I became friends with and we're still friends now. His name is Father Paul Hovenick. Uh He's a Czech priest. Um, at the time, he was in his 60s, and he was my spiritual director uh, for about a year and a half. And so he really just kind of shared his life to me as a priest through natural conversation in spiritual direction, which I met with him only um, about one hour or so a month for you know uh, for a year and a half. Uh-huh. So So having that kind of friendship um, you know, she, he never pushed me to become a priest. He never even planted a seed of the idea of priesthood. It was just the fact of he living him his um, priesthood joyfully. Um, he was a very gentle, um, he is a gentle uh, priest to me, in my experience, because uh, all the previous at that time, pre- um, priests that I met, they're, they're, they're not as nice yeah, i don't know how to say it <laughs> they're a little more strict they're a little more strict they're, you know so rigid and all rigid of, yeah, uh-huh. or or just um there's i couldn't sense a genuine happiness or joy from their priesthood okay but for father paul through this one and one one on one encounter uh-huh. over a period of time really kind of planted that seed of you know what um me call, being called to the priesthood is it might be possible cuz i really i really like that and then third was I, um, you know, teaching confirmation for five years. I after year three or four, that's when I start seeing my students. I taught first year start to to come back. It's not all, but a few of them uh, come back to just give their time and energy and talent to the parish. And and I start to see the fruits of my labor. Oh. That that like here I invested my time teaching yes. and pouring my heart out to the to the students, and and they're giving back to God by by doing this, you know, whether it be uh, uh, our, we have what, what they had what is called uh, Jesus and Me Jam Night, which uh-huh. is once a month on a Friday night. It's kind of like Youth Night, but uh-huh. you know, but specifically um, just once a month, um, and or they'll help with you know first communion catechesis or whatever helping with retreats and stuff it was kind of just really heartfelt i would t- i was touched by that and then uh, i got to hear actually lots of stories of their struggles uh in high school um almost everything that you can think of what a a typical high school student goes through uh-huh. i pretty much have heard them all wow like, almost all them all and um, and there are times when I was thinking to myself, like, you're sharing your sins to me, and I can't even absolve them. Ooh, like I, I felt so yes. like humbled for them to share these things to me. Yes, but at the same time, it's like I can't do anything but to listen. Uh-huh. But now I've learned that listening is um, it's healing for the person that they're being heard. And so at least I did that. 
And so I actually started to experience spiritual fatherhood from the interaction of these teenagers. And then, um, and then lastly is actually, um, I'm at a seminarian. Uh, he's not a seminarian anymore. He's married now. But at that time, uh, he entered seminary, and um, he's basically a year older than me. Uh, he was in uh, the police department. And um, I, I, I was thinking to myself, well, if I'm going to enter seminary, am I going to be the, like the oddball? I thought that all these kids who went to seminary were like uh-huh. 18, 19 year olds, not 26. But he was a year older than me at the time. And that kind of gave me comfort that I'm not the only crazy mid 20 guy to enter, leave a career and, and enter seminary. So he left a career and we were roughly the same age. And so that kind of just basically gave me the, the one extra push to actually enter into seminary. Is this Matt? Yes, Matt Ty. Yes. Okay. We had him on the show. Yes. I, I, I saw a portion of that. <laughs> yeah. So he, so you guys were together. At one point, uh, he he entered seminary for a year, and then that's mm-hmm. when I was really at seriously discerned, and uh-huh. then I applied. I entered in 2013, and then he left. Yes, and then and then and then he came back, and then he left again. Yes, yes. yes. But but he he was instrumental for me to give me comfort that I'm not the only oddball entering uh-huh. seminary because I, I never met a seminarian before before Matt Ty. And so, um, so that's why I believe that it's really important to, for priests or it's just seminarians in general to try to get themselves out there into the parish or in, with the people because they never know that who they're going to touch. Yeah, you know? it's it's amazing because him going into the into the seminary helped you. Yes, he did. Yes, he did because I uh, because I was teaching uh, um, eighth grade catechesis at his parish uh, Chinese uh, Ascension. Um, back then, uh-huh. on top of me at Christ Incarnate Word too. So it was two parishes at once, and I met him through that. And then, and then, and then when he entered in seminary, I I just need to ask some ask some final questions. So I just called him up, and you did a, kind of like a one on one interview with him, gave me all the details I needed, just to again bring more reassurance uh-huh. that is this, if I could do this or not. And then. And he did. How old were you when you entered the seminary? Uh, 26. Okay. So you had been working for how many years at that point? Uh, seven years. I, uh, I started uh, uh, as a part-time um, uh, insurance agent and when I was 18. And I, by the time I was 19, I pretty much acquired uh, my Series 6, 63, 26, which are investment licenses. Okay. On top of my life and health, I had my property and casualty license to sell car insurance and home insurance. Okay. And then I also had a loan officer license to do home refinance. And so I pretty much covered a, a wide variety of services for for my for my clients. So you did a lot of studying to get in to to get all those licenses, huh? Uh for yes, I have to study for those licenses, yes. Okay. Uh, and I acquired them. And so by the end of uh my sophomore year at University of Houston, mm-hmm. um, I was pursuing a finance degree at the time. I was thinking to myself, well, since I have these financial licenses, I might as well just work full time uh, since then. So I worked there for for seven years. At near the end of my um, my uh, seventh year, I then worked at Chase Bank as a personal banker. Okay. So, did you finish your degree? No, I never did. Okay, because you entered the seminary or because of work? Because of work. Okay. And then so when you entered into the seminary, did they count like those credits that you already had? Yes. So they uh, thank God that uh, I went to um, uh, St. Benedict or sorry, St. Joseph Seminary, uh, St. Joseph Abbey Seminary College in Covington, Louisiana or St. Ben's for short. And uh, luckily they acquired some of my um, core classes, transferred over. And so they gave me a choice to whether do four years of maybe about 12 hours a semester or okay. about 18 hours to make it into three years. I said, let's do three years. And it finished in three years. Okay. Yeah. So why did they send you to Louisiana instead of Dallas? Is it because you already had some credits? Is that how it works? Or uh, I don't you have know. no idea. I'm not part of that. It's like uh, a flip of the coin. And uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, if you didn't know this, uh, at the end of our long interviewing process with the uh-huh. paperwork and psychological exams and stuff like that, they we meet with the personnel board or this board of people. Yes. And, and after that, they make decisions right there. So whatever happens after we leave the doors, uh-huh. they make decisions there. They so. never tell, told you 
oh, the reason why we're sending you no, to Louisiana is... No, they just said, you're going to go there. You're going there and that's it. That's it. You can't ask them, hey, why Louisiana instead mm. of something? Like, no. That could be a possibility, but I just, I never asked. I never, it never occurred to me to ask. Okay. I just kind of accepted it. What made you, you know, finally say, okay, I'm going to enter the seminary? Was there a turning point or was it just a gradual thing that, that, that logically ended with you going to the seminary? I had a bad day at work. I I basically worked um, 12, 14 hours that day trying to, you know, mix a sale and I just never went through and I was so frustrated at my, unhappiness in life okay and uh so at the end of the day um i was in my room and i you know knelt down my bed and i just prayed to god and said you know god if you really want me to be your priest you better tell me now that to to be your priest and at that time i i really felt or heard a voice you know from god like yes i want you to be my priest and after that it was like almost like um a huge burden over my shoulder just been lifted. Uh-huh. Cried for like a long time and then went to bed. Next day, I didn't call the vocations office. At the time, it was actually Father Dad. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and then kind of went forward from there. And so that happened around August, September. And then I kind of moved forward from there. And so it took me basically up until May. That's when I finally got the answer from the board to, to, to be accepted and all that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So while you were on your knees praying, did you think about that one priest and that one sister, how happy they were with their vocations? Did you think about that and how unhappy you, you were that one day and that no, tough day? No? no? Or it was just in the back of it, your mind? It was it, because I, I, I have already kind of thought about those things already and okay. it was already there. Uh-huh. So I just needed a sign and then the voice was, was And it. that was it. That was it. That's awesome. That was it. So you went in, you went through the entire process. You said interviews, psychological. Mm. Is that, was that any, was that difficult, that whole process or? No, it wasn't difficult. It was just challenging of, in terms of scheduling those times because especially with the psyche eval and what, and the, you know, the dentist appointment and the, and the physical appointment and all this other stuff. I was working and, and, and it's kind of hard, especially being um, a personal banker at a Chase Bank, uh-huh. you know, there's only certain days that I'm off. Yes. And so I got to match those off days along with the, with the psychologist and uh, these other appointments. Just with, scheduling it just around Just scheduling it. So it took, yeah. it's actually, it, that's why I said I meant long because it just, we ha- I had to match those times and mm-hmm. took over a couple months actually when it could actually be done within one month. Was there a point where you doubted whether or not you should enter the seminary? No, no. Because Once you got that sign, that was yeah, it. Yeah, well, p- part of it is I'm the kind of guy who, um, I'm, I won't say careful, but I, I really think things through. And so uh, if I'm to give a, a, a career up, I'm not just going to do it just to test it out. Okay. Like, I, I, if I'm going to move forward with this, I'm going to move forward with this. Okay. Now, the only way that I'm going to leave seminary is either the seminary asked me to leave. Okay. Which I, I, I understood that, you know, um, that's obviously the Holy Spirit moving through the seminary. Then I'm okay with that. I'm be at peace because I, I don't mind getting married with, you know, lots of kids. Uh-huh. Um, or if not, or my vocation director, but it won't, it, it won't be me. Because I have made that strong decision after several years of discernment, um, after, um, yeah, just really after a couple years of discernment. You know, it's not like on a whim okay. kind of thing. So you had made your decision. You're just focused. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Go in 100%. Correct. And okay. I, I gave it them all. And so, um, yeah, unless God somehow, you know, made a sign, another sign said, uh-huh. I want you to marry, then, uh-huh. then I'll do it. But but it obviously never <laughs> happened. So. so speaking of possibly getting married, some of the, um, the deacons and priests that have come in here, they, they've said that they did have some difficulty with the idea of celibacy. Did you have any difficulty with that during discernment? With the idea that, oh, I'm never going to get married. I'm not going to have kids. This is something that I thought about when I was younger, eventually happening. Did you did you have any difficulty with that? No, and I really mean it, no, uh, because I've already, because um, I've dated a lot, and I had lots of girlfriends, um, like 11 of them. And 
it was it was all short, you know, a couple uh-huh. months here, a couple months there. But but when I was teaching confirmation, there was a out of the five years, I was probably you know I, I wasn't even dating for about maybe three, four of those years. But for me, experience the spiritual fatherhood with the students. It's like oh my gosh, instead of having you know seven natural biological children, I actually can have. Hundreds. In this case, you know, I taught over 150 confirmation students, and so the idea of celibacy was already almost like supernaturally implanted into me uh-huh. even before seminary. So when the idea of saying, you know, giving up natural marriage for the kingdom of God, it it, it wasn't it wasn't that. A crazy idea for me, actually. So you didn't have to struggle with it at all. You were like, no, this makes total sense. Yeah, it to makes me. total sense. Yeah, because in my mind now, I'm literally, you know, the bride is the church, yes. and every soul that comes across of me is a children that I could, you know, foster and and help them grow and and whatnot. So, so no serious girlfriends at all, just just dating here and there. Well, I'll try to be serious for you, sure. I I mean, my but I mean nothing like long term. No, years. No, that, no, unfortunately. <laughs> I was probably a bad boyfriend. Maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have to break up with anyone to go into the seminary? No, no, no. Okay, so you enter the seminary. You're in 100%. Did you have any classmates in the seminary that were that approached it the opposite way that you did? Like you, you said, you, you don't try things out. Mm-hmm. Did you have guys in there that were in there just to try it out? Uh well, I don't know if we're friends, but I mean, I know a lot that, especially the younger ones, they they came in with just to see if really God's calling them uh-huh. in in terms of like being in the seminary. And so, I mean, well, I don't think most of them are, are in seminary anymore or a priest, but, uh-huh. uh, but yeah. Do you think that if somebody has you know any doubts, they shouldn't go in, or 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 is it just because that's your personality? No, that's just my personality. Okay, uh, I'm not against of you know if a guy th- even just be open to the idea of priesthood and they enter seminary, uh-huh. that's cool because because we're all different stages in our life and different experiences and stuff. It's just that's my personality. That's my personality. Okay, so seminary for you was that you know pretty smooth? No, no real difficulties in your seminary uh, or in your discernment. The formation the, and all that leading to, to towards priesthood. Yeah. Um, the, when it comes to challenge, uh, the only challenge, the, the biggest challenge for me was actually the first year uh-huh. um, of seminary because I've never lived with a within a dormitory or in with a bunch of other people. Um, you know, even when I was at U of H, I commuted, so okay. I stayed at home, commuted, and then when I was working, I. Um, Stayed at home and I just helped pay the bills around my mom's house, you know. But uh-huh. but I never really had to live with a lot of other people. Okay. So it was huge adjustment for me to to deal. Yeah, that's probably a good word to deal with different personalities <laughs> and and to learn that we're they're not me, and so I had to be patient. I have to learn to accept that this is how God created them to be uh-huh. and and whatnot. So that was the biggest struggle. Um, in terms of, I like structure, and so the fact that we have, you know, lunch at this time, dinner at this time, classes this time, you know, it, it wasn't a. Um, I like that structure. I like that structure. That military type regimen yeah, of things that were because yeah. it makes my life a little more predictable. Yes, I, I, I like, I like predictability, and so, um, and so that was really the biggest thing in terms of formation. Um, I never really had a much of a challenge, like. Uh, information meaning that I was always um, open to learning, uh-huh. so uh, I, uh, that was trained in me when I was in the business world. Like the idea is that if you're not growing, you're dying. So growing means reading, constantly learning, going yes. to conferences, going to uh, get business mentors, because that's how you able to increase the level of your pro- productivity uh-huh. in the business world. So when I went to, when I was in seminary, that idea. I didn't have a problem with that. Like, okay. It's okay. I, I'm here to learn. That's, I'm a sponge. I'm a sponge, you know? Uh-huh. And if the people of God is, you know, through DSF, spending money to give their, their sacrificing with their financial treasures to the DSF, 
and I'm getting an education for this, I should really try to soak this in. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, I, I just being a good steward in that in that sense. So in terms of formation, that wasn't much of a, and yeah, sure, I have received challenges from my formators here and there, but it wasn't like, like I see as like, oh, like, like they're trying to get me out of a seminary uh-huh, or they're trying uh-huh. to like, you know, um, find something wrong with me and kick me out. No, I just, I never had that, that, that thought. No so, internal struggles. Well, there's, I mean, we all have internal struggles. Uh-huh. We all have our rough edges to, to, um, smooth out. And so, but I mean, so yeah. Is there anything for you? Like what was the, the, the roughest edge for you to smooth out? Was it really that, you know, dealing with the other guys in the seminary? Uh, y- yes. Um, the, <laughs> just being patient with people. Uh-huh. That, that was probably the, the biggest um, formation I received in the seminary uh-huh. um, because I'm a very f- um, efficient, fast-paced, get the work done, uh-huh. that kind of thing. Okay. And so, um, you know, just plan things ahead. So when guys, or now just people in general, as me as being a parochial vicar, if people don't get the work done as fast as I would like it to be, you know. If they're procrastinating. If they're procrastinating uh-huh. or, or maybe, you know, um, something like that. It, it just, I had to learn to be okay with that. You know, maybe they're going through something uh-huh. or maybe they're having, they just recently go through surgery that I wasn't aware of and that's mm-hmm. why they're taking their time. And so. Or they have a different process than a, you. Yeah, correct. You know, I, I'm a, a to Z, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And so some people, not everybody works like that. And so yes. I'm, I'm learning to, to just be more open to their personality and what it means to either get the job done or even just how they they share their life with others and uh-huh. and so because everybody has different gifts and talents and so so that's that's like the biggest in- internal formation I, I've received and continue to receive. What does it look like in the seminary? Do you have like a roommate? Do you have your own room? Are there it's like a whole bunch of bunks together? What is that like? Every guy had, gets his own room. Okay, so you didn't have to deal with a roommate. No, no. But oh. we do have to deal with loud noises next door. <laughs> and then um, sharing facilities, I suppose, would be another thing. Uh, the, yes and no. Uh, because at St. Ben's, okay. um, there are some dormitories where there you have your own bathroom and showers. Okay. And then some are in common. Okay. And then at St. Mary's Seminary here in Houston, uh, the 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 old dorms is common, while the new dorm that is almost finished, each room is going to have their own bathroom and, okay. and, and showers. So you were at the old one. At St. Mary's Seminary, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what was, did you have any difficulty dealing with the other guys there or, you know, mm. and their quirks when it I, ca- came to using the, you know, the bathroom, <laughs> the people leaving it a mess or something like uh, that? Or? I just, I just do my, get in and out and do my thing. <laughs> yeah. Now, one thing that a lot of the priests and seminarians that have uh, come on the show talked about are pranks in the seminary. Mm-hmm. Were you involved in any pranks in the seminary? No, because I'm a very boring person. <laughs> but have you witnessed? I have witnessed pranks. What are the most memorable pranks that you've witnessed? One kid, um, he is younger. at the, I mean, he's younger than me. But uh, one time he came to another person's room and he placed plastic cups, filled it side by side. Okay. And the whole floor and filled it with water. All over somebody's... All over on the whole floor of their bedroom. Okay. All the way to the toilet and then shower. <laughs> and so so this person had to take each and uh, each cup of water uh-huh. filled to the brim, you know, take and just dump it out and then each <laughs> cup one by one. So, I mean, that, that probably took a long time. A long time to even to set it up and, and all that. But so. that didn't happen to you. No, 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 nobody uh, pranked me during when I was in seminary. Uh, maybe because I'm just a very serious person. I don't know, but maybe they looked at you like uh, this is the type of person we want to prank. Uh, yeah, that that's it. That's it. They they they, they know that not to not to mess with me. So any other pranks you remember in the seminary? Um. Not that I know that that was probably the most memorable one. Nobody pulled you towards and saying, "Hey, we're gonna do this. Help us out here." No, no, nope. I, I, they, no, 
they they knew you wouldn't go along. Not that they maybe because it's just the way I am. They just never asked. Okay, so, so yeah. All right, so so you said you went to Louisiana, then you went. So how many were, years were you in Louisiana? Three years. Three years, and then two years in St. Mary's. Four years. Four years in St. Mary's, and then okay. one year in pastor year. Okay, and where'd you spend your pastoral year? Uh, St. Michael the Archangel in the Galleria. Okay, what was that like? Uh, it was it was a great experience for me um, uh, because it really prepared me for what it means to actually be a priest. You know, it's one thing to kind of like help, you know, um, on the summertime. Uh-huh. You know, we usually, we seminarians, we have like parish assignments or whatever. But it's not like really dwelling yourself in there. It's kind of in and out. Um, but it was the very first time for me to experience what it means to be a priest because of two reasons. First reason is that uh, at, at the current pastor now, uh, Father Wayne Wilkerson, you know, he was my pastor when I was there. Uh-huh. He basically kind of almost like um, showed me what it means to be a pastor. And uh-huh. so I get to follow a lot around his, uh, his schedule. So I went through a lot of like marriage prep meetings, pastoral council, finance council, uh, counseling, you know, um, annulment meetings to um, meeting with just the staff on a regular basis. Uh-huh. So uh, all these things, um, and then going with him for the sacraments, you know, weddings, funerals. Yes. Um, let's see, uh, uh, marriages. I say weddings, um, anointing, baptism, uh-huh. anointing of sick, um, mm-hmm. or even just you know when he was invited to dinner, I would tag along and, and go with him. And so uh-huh. he really kind of just showed me. I mean, just from a wide variety of what it means to 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 be a parish priest. And I I and I, once I saw that, I was like, like I could do this. Like I could uh-huh. I could really do this because it's pretty cool, and I get to experience um, to be actually what it means to dwell yourself into that person's or that family's life. Uh-huh. And uh, and because of that, um, especially the by the second semester comes around, I start to get invites from families at St. Michael's to have dinner with them and to, you know, just spend time with them. And, and it was incredible because it's like, wow, like, is this what it means to, to be a parish priest and what it means to sacrifice yourself for the people of God and how they respond with so much love of, of that. And so like that really helped me to, to say, you know what? Yes. I'm looking forward to, to, to diaconate and then uh-huh. finally priest ordination. And so it was a, it was a phenomenal uh, experience for sure. So before that you were just like pretty much 100% in the seminary, right? Yes, pretty so, much. Yeah. And, and if you didn't know this, like um, every year we, uh, we always get what's called a pastoral ministry, or pastoral assignment, uh-huh. you know, like- um, You spend you know, a summer somewhere. Yeah. And... Or no, like every week you would spend at a, okay. at a parish somewhere for like teaching one hour. Okay. Or you help out a parish for, or some kind of ministry, maybe like for at St. Mary's, the first year theology there, those guys usually do, um, uh, work with the poor or the sick. And so uh-huh. they'll maybe, you know, visit the priest retirement home for an hour, an hour and a half, or okay. help with the uh, Sister of Charity and, and working with them for an hour, an hour and a half a week. So, but it was never like a full, like, this is all you do is to okay. be in the parish. And so, so at least you didn't miss going out and all of that. Cause I would think that if it was just, hundred percent studying, then you'd miss that time that you had when you were, you know, in faith formation and you were the kids and all that. Yeah. yeah. So at least you got a, a little bit of a taste of going out. And a little bit. That. Yeah. yeah. But I, 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 this is just my opinion. I think that every seminarian really needs to to go into pastoral year to really see that you know this is what it's like because if you don't think this is for you, uh-huh. seeing all this. Maybe it's a sign that you you are not meant to be a parish priest. You know, okay. not saying you should like everything. Not every priest likes everything they do. Uh-huh. But I mean, you get the to you know again just a, like a the whole a, picture, the whole picture uh-huh. of what it means to be a priest. So not all seminarians go through pastoral year. No, no uh, it's up to a combination of the of the bishop and the seminary. So, for instance, Notre Dame Seminary in in Louisiana don't do pastor year. Okay. Or um, uh, Kendrick in in St. Louis, Missouri, they don't do pastor year. But sometimes they do do pastor year depending if the bishop wants it. Okay. Or if the seminary, like St. Mary Seminary, we uh, require back pastor year. But if the bishop says, no, I don't think you should, I would just move forward to the third, and that would happen. So it, it, there's those are the two major okay. factors. So in some cases, the diaconate year is that year that you... You, you kind of get to see that. Correct. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you prefer 
The pastoral year. I prefer the pastoral year because at that point, then then you can really make sure you understand what the promises you're going to make at diaconate. Because once you make those promises at diaconate, you are clergy, you are holy orders. Uh huh. So, so going after that pastoral year, are you like super energized? You're like, this is it. This oh, yeah. is what I've been wanting to do. This, this, well, it's always been like that. Uh-huh. It's just that this was just like a a like a, a sure confirmation that this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah, I, I was already like 99.95% like sure uh-huh. like I'm this is what I want to do after I made my commitment to go in seminary. Oh, yes, because that's, that's just your personality. That's just my personality. Okay, so no looking back. No. And then once you see that, like this is it. Yes. Pastoral year. Yes. After that. After your pastoral year, what happens next? So after pastoral year, we have third-year theology, so just school again, and then fourth-year theology, school, but diaconate. So you spend the weekend, at least at St. Mary's Seminary, uh-huh. um, uh, at the parish that you're assigned while you're still doing studies uh, on the weekdays, and then after that, priesthood. Where was your diaconate year? My diaconate year was at St. Justin Martyr, where Father Paul Hovnick is at, and so um, I, I was there. But it was kind of not a full experience because of COVID. Uh-huh. So um, I was only to be able to help out with them, help them out on December, and okay. then um, and a little bit in May, and a little bit um, in August uh, after uh, after I became a deacon. But um, and I try to help them out virtually. So I was doing a lot of Zoom meetings for the young adults there um, for the first semester at least and a couple of like videos and stuff for their uh, uh, Facebook page and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But other than that, I mean, it wasn't a full experience. And so... You feel like it got cheated a little? Uh, well, it's okay. I mean, I mean, that's life, right? Yeah, it's life. That's COVID. Yeah, a yeah, lot of people went through worse things. Yeah. After that, you're headed towards your... towards priesthood. Mm-hmm. So you you go through COVID... You're in. You're in the seminary. What happens right before your ordination? Is there a, is there like a bit of a graduation thing? Is there are there any other ceremonies, or is it really just the the ordination? Um, you know, the COVID procedures at the seminary this past year, where uh-huh. I mean, we were literally locked down for the whole semester, so we uh-huh. can't leave. Yes, right, unless for except for. You know, buying essential stuff, but other than that, we're, we're not allowed to to hang out anywhere, uh-huh. uh, even for parish ministry. So, but after uh, April thirtieth, which was our last day, uh-huh. um, we had like a little, um, yeah, I guess like a sort of like a certificate ceremony, you know, to get your thing. Okay. Um, but uh, but the graduation f- through Saint Thomas University uh-huh. happened actually two weeks later, I believe, or a week later after, and so I. I I actually went to the black or at mass, but I didn't went to the actual um, graduation walking and all that. You so, didn't do that? Why you know, not? Uh, you didn't I, want to sit through the whole thing? No, yeah, I didn't want to sit through the whole thing. <laughs> I got my I got my I got my diploma, so I'm I'm happy with that. So so yeah. Okay, and, and what was that like, you know, when you when you'd gotten that diploma and did your um did your mom say anything to you that oh you're becoming a priest now? Has she ever said anything? No. No. Yeah, again, my my family's not very Catholic, so just they just at this point now they accept that I'm a priest, uh-huh. but they're not against it. Okay, they're not like like oh my gosh, my son or my brother or my grandson uh-huh. is is a priest. They're not that excited or too ecstatic about it either. So so they're just like oh he's he's a priest. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Mm-hmm. It no strong feelings for or against. Yep. Okay, did that kind of. Um, affect your discernment in any way? The mm. fact that they weren't no. Did did you did you ever try to you know um, possibly bring them closer t- to the church? I would love to for sure. Uh-huh. Um, part of it, it, I I feel like I, right now part of it is that I um, my Vietnamese is not that great, so I don't know how to explain the faith to my my aunt and uncle or my cousin and his wife or my mom uh, to really kind of encourage him to come back. Um, because that's their primary language. Yeah, that's their, their primary language. And then with my younger brother who, you know, we speak English, we don't have a, a, a very close relationship. So for me to try to push it right now doesn't seem to be the most prudent thing to do. It's a little touchy, huh? Yeah. Um, and so, so it's just a matter, I just pray that... Um, 
lots of prayers, but also maybe over time when they see me being a priest, that hopefully that will plant a, a seed for them. Kind of like with Father Paul never mentioned about priesthood to me, just living his life. Yes. So same concept, just you know, over time that they will be open to the idea of going back to mass and and, and whatnot. And They'll look at you and say, he's really happy being a priest. He's really happy with his faith. Maybe, maybe there's something to it. Correct. Correct. Okay. So tell me about your ordination, your ordination date, your, the wedding date. Yes. Okay. What was that day like for you? Uh, <laughs> pretty excited. Um, it was great. Uh, I don't know how to really explain the feeling of it, but uh, just super, have, just super excited. No butterflies, nervousness, or anything like that. Uh, nervousness, not necessarily. Um, um, it was just just pure joy and, and and excitement that I'm like I am I'm a priest. I'm a priest. So, so you wake up in the morning, you're thinking, okay, today's more ordination date. Correct. All right, and do you get there first thing in the morning? Yeah, the we, prepara- we, what was it? You know, what's what's all involved with the preparation on your end? Um, well, thank God that the uh, this archdiocese they have the worship office to take care of a lot of logistics for the ordination. Uh-huh. So we really didn't have to worry about any of that. The only thing that we have to worry about is just picking the readings and who who does the lecturing, who who vests us, uh, vested us at the ceremony at the um, ordination itself, but taken care of mostly by by the uh, worship office. Oh, so you got to choose some of the readings. Yes, we did. We chose all three readings oh, as, nice. as our class. Is there anything that you, you distinctly remember about that day? Uh, I remember, you know, laying, laying, I mean, just the major parts of uh-huh. laying down, prostrating to uh, being vested to, you know, the laying of hands uh-huh. um, and then the kiss of peace between the priests and um, obviously um, promises and then and then uh, being anointed with chrism uh-huh. um, and I remember uh, the picture taking afterwards um, but th- yeah that that was that was the major part some of the some of the priests that have um, been on the program with us they talk about what went through their mind while they were laying prostrate now you guys were on on the floor for quite a long time mm-hmm. did anything go through your mind in particular while you were down there just laying prostrate not really just no no specific images or anything no you you were just like just thinking about the prayers and the yeah just listening the litany. to the litany and just really um being present at that moment do you now i understand you were able to choose some of the saints do you remember which particular ones you you requested for for the litany no, because the the ones I I've wanted it were actually already in the in the in the, the litany. I okay. wanted I wanted Saint Dominic, Saint Ignatius Loyola, uh-huh. Saint Martin of Tours, Saint Catherine of Siena, Saint Teresa of Lisieux. They're all uh-huh. those are my those are my saints. So they were already in there. So I didn't have so to add anymore. No, no need to add anything yeah. there. I don't, at least I don't remember adding <laughs> anymore. Yeah. So is that something that you sit down with the other mm-hmm. the the other guys and you talk about? Yeah. Okay. Does anybody object to? No, no, I don't want that one. Let's put this one in. Is there a certain num- number that you're allowed to have, or we're all only allowed to add two more per person? Oh, okay. On top of what we're already being in the book. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you can't like put a whole truckload in there. No, no, just just two. <laughs> okay. We're allowed to two. All right. So you said you remembered um, the picture taking. Mm-hmm. Did it take long? Is that why you remembered it in particular? No, it was just it was because of. Um, just the people's excitement for me and their uh-huh. love for me. Um, you know, I, I took pictures obviously with my family, but uh, but just the the people from, especially St. Michael's, because that's where I really, again, involved myself in the nine months at pastor year at St. Michael's, that uh-huh. the majority of the people who came to my ordination actually came from St. Michael's. And so it was just kind of cool to take a lot of pictures with them, but also people from St. Justin Martyr, um, Christ Incarnate Word, and... Um, Yes, those three parishes. Um, but other than that, I mean, that's that. That was just kind of just really being loved by them was 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 incredible, for sure. Now you said your family was there. Was it mainly your your mom's side? Yeah, only my mom's side. Only no, mom. no nobody from my dad's side came. Okay, because of the uh, they're Buddhist. And Is I that, didn't invite them. You didn't invite. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is there something there with you? 
No, it was just more of like it, they live in Pennsylvania, so oh, okay. I, you know we we don't really talk, uh -huh. and so f I don't I don't see why they want to spend you know off days and then and then driving or uh -huh. flying and just for one thing and then coming back that kind of thing. Okay, so, okay, Is, but you're you're at least you got the support from your mom's side of the family. Oh yeah, huh? sure. Yeah. They 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 were there at the at the ordination. So after the ordination itself that evening, did you have anything special planned? Yes, yes. I uh, it was <laughs> that Saturday was actually quite packed for me. Uh -huh. You know, I had my ordination at ten o'clock that morning at the cathedral, and then later on, I had my um, reception. You know, provided by the vocations office at St. Mary's Seminary uh -huh. at around like two ish or one thirty two ish. But my first mass, like me being the the main celebrant, uh -huh. uh, was that evening at five o'clock at St. Mary's Seminary, and. I didn't really have much um, family support uh -huh. um, or or family support. Not not that they don't love me or anything like that. They they do. It's just that I had to do my own planning. So okay. I had to plan, you know, inviting the priest, inviting the guests, uh, uh -huh. uh, pick the music, find the the choir uh, the choir director with the organist, um, get brother seminarian to serve. I mean, uh -huh. I had to do everything myself, which I don't wow. mind because. Thank God that's actually like a, a talent of mine. Oh, you're the one in your family that does that. I, yeah, I, I I do all that. <laughs> I, I like to I like to be on time. I like, I like uh -huh. anyway, so so I had to do all that. So there was definitely maybe in, in the afternoon a little stressful uh -huh. for me because I want to make sure everything gets of like, course done. You know, yeah. and so go smoothly, go smoothly. Yeah. But um, thank God I have a lot of. Uh, you know, f support both from friends and seminarians and whatnot to where I mean everything went. Fantastic. So celebrating my mass at five o'clock and then the reception right afterwards in the refectory, um, I had catered, uh, a catering company came in. I had uh, a string quartet, live string quartet. Ooh. So, I mean, it was, it, wow. it was, it was very, very nice. And so got a lot of uh, just families and friends that, that, that came and, and supported me. And so it was it was just overwhelming with, with love and joy. So there were two receptions. You had that one reception and then the other one after your first mass. Yeah, yeah. So the one after the first mass was just more like a come and go, you know, say hi to the new priest. Uh -huh. Maybe you want to give him a gift or get the first blessing, that kind uh -huh. of thing. But it wasn't like formal. My re my reception after my first mass was formal. It's a formal sit down. I had okay. wait staff. I had I mean I had the whole I had the whole thing. So it was a big thing. It was a very big thing for sure. We I think I had um about 100 guests uh not including priests and seminarians. Oh wow. So I had I had quite a bit. Oh, big reception. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, because it was a huge thing it for was. the the archdiocese in general. Mm -hmm. Like this is ordination of priests. Because last year's was completely in lockdown, correct, correct. right? Were you a part of that last uh, the, the year before? Yeah, our organizing. Well, no, um, organizing, no, not really. Just again with the ordination, we just tell the worship's office what we wanted. Uh -huh. But in terms of reception and stuff like that, it, it, there was no reception afterwards um, um, because of, because of COVID. Do you feel bad for the guys that that got ordained or? You know that didn't get to have that experience yeah. that you went through. It, it sucked for them. I'll, I'll just say that it's not. It's it's almost unfair that that they weren't able to really celebrate big with uh -huh. their families and friends. But yes. at the same time, they're they're priests, and so <laughs> that's the goal. I, right? That's the goal. You know, <laughs> all that is just extra. Yeah, you know, so. yeah. So, and we were saying it was the big thing for the archdiocese because a couple weeks before. You know, the CDC changed the guidelines. You can go on masked indoors. You don't have to have, you know, they lifted a lot of the limits. And then the archdiocese said, okay, we're going to lift a lot of these restrictions as well. So it was a huge thing. Everybody was mm -hmm. itching to, you know, go out and celebrate something. And then we have this ordination. Yeah. Did it feel like a much bigger thing? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, than previous years? Yeah. Um, compared to last year with my diaconate ordination, I mean, we were only limited to uh, about 75 people per person per ordinance and there's okay. four of us right and that's also including like if you want to have seminarians or priests to come too oh, so okay. it was very very limited uh -huh. but after the restriction being lifted it was like please come like and so it was it was you know the, it was jam-packed it was good so it was this huge thing you finally get it over with 
you, you go through your whole reception and everything like that. What happens next? You've got about a month off, right? Before you have to report to your parish. Yeah. So um, I re- I'll report to my parish at July 1st at St. Martha Catholic Church in Kingwood, uh-huh. Porter, Texas, whatever you want to call it. Um, but during that month, I actually spent um, about five days hanging out with uh, one of my best friends, uh, Father Kevin Lanius, who is actually the Diocese of San Angelo. We okay. were in seminary together at one point, and then and then after ordination, we just kind of hang out for a little bit. Then f- two weeks, I was in spiritual direction school at St. Mary's Seminary. The, the program is run by the Marian Servants, um, and so they're a group of mostly lay people um, where their charism is just really spiritual direction. Okay. And so, um, and so I was two weeks of doing that, and uh, and then after that, I basically spent about only a couple of days packing up before actually moving into into my parish. And so, uh, so that was basically my my summer. I wasn't much of a vacation, but I spent most of my vacation uh, in May because after after the parish um, the seminary. Ended April thirtieth, uh-huh. um, and before my ordination, was, I basically spent most of May just kind of catching up with people, you know, um, uh-huh. visiting people, um, helping out the different parishes and stuff like that. So, did you do a lot of, you know, um, weddings or baptismals of friends and stuff, or nothing was really planned around that time for you? Um, I only had one wedding in May first, and then I had one baptism, but other than that, that was it uh, because there was not it was not much scheduled. At the oh. time. And then your parish, what did you say your parish was again? St. St. Martha. St. Martha, yes. Well, okay. St. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, Friends of Jesus. That's the full name of the parish. That's a long name. That's a super long name. <laughs> when they answer the phone, they have to say the whole thing. No, no, they just say St. Martha. <laughs> they say St. Martha. So now St. Martha, is that what pretty much you were guessing you'd go to? Did you have any, did, did you and the other, um, you know, the other priest, new priest kind of, Wager bets. I bet you're going to this parish. I bet you're going to that parish. Did you? Uh, it, was there a pool or of some sort? Yeah, it was. Um, it came into the idea later uh-huh. because we knew that there are certain parishes that would be open only because just the timing of uh, of the current Perkel Vicar there, and so okay. like one of them would be like um, Saint Vincent de Paul, where Father Dave Huss was there. This was his third year. We pretty much know he's going to get moved. We just know that one of us is probably going to get in. Father Houston yes. got that. So, um, but there are others that were kind of like maybe, maybe, maybe not. You uh-huh. know, like um, like for instance, Saint Cecilia, right? Or because usually um, Father um, uh, Francis typically have two Perkel vicars there, and okay. so and then Saint Michael's didn't have a Perkel vicar after Father Michael Applegate left. Uh, a year ago, and so there, there were some. I, you know, we were you know, making educated guess. Yeah. But St. Martha uh, uh, was also possibly one of that because they also usually have two priests. At one point, uh, before me, it was Father Jonathan Moray, who is now the pastor of uh, Parish in Sealy. Okay. But it was also Father Ralph Roberts and Father T.J. And so, you know, the three of us like, you know, St. Martha is actually it could be a possibility. It could be uh-huh. a possibility, and so, and it and happened. Did you guys guess correctly with some of them? Like who would go where or not really? There were too many uh, possibilities. It was too many possibilities. But, you know, we all have our desires of what parishes we want to come and then want to go. But, uh-huh. um, but yeah, you know, St. Martha was was a great parish where, I mean, all three of us wouldn't mind co- going to St. Martha. And uh, all four, well, yeah, three of us. And um, so, yeah. Oh, because of Father Joseph going back to the Correct. to to Rome Correct. for his studying. You received your letter... Was that a big surprise when when they gave you the letter saying that you were going to St. Martha? It was a pleasant surprise. Um, uh, it was a good surprise because it, it's, it's it, was a, it was a parish that I wanted. Not uh-huh. because of the parish itself, like by name, but because of the criteria that I was wanting as my first parish. Uh, What's that criteria? Uh, basically, a, a very big parish with uh-huh. a big school. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, one Spanish mass just to kind of help me work on my Spanish, and then um, a pastor that uh, just really wants to to help me and teach me and guide me, mentor me uh, to become a pastor one day. And so, uh, Saint Martha fit all, all those three criteria that I wanted. Um, and so, yeah, because I, I'm again, I'm a very active person. So being at a big parish with a big school, uh-huh. there's always going to be something going on. There's always going to be something to do. You know. 
when you when you received word, did you who's the first person you told that you were going to say? Uh, well, if you didn't know this, um, we receive our our official letter uh-huh. uh, of our assignment uh, at our priesthood ordination rehearsal. Yes. So that's really before, and so the first person knew was my classmates because uh-huh. we were all in the sacristy uh-huh. in the in the co cathedral. But did you did you pick up your phone and call somebody or tell text somebody? No, or, no, no, no. I just I just took a picture and posted it on my Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> and then everybody and just word spread from there. So. All right, so you you find out you're going to St. Martha. It fits all your criteria. So you're excited. Yes. And still then, am. <laughs> still am. So you, your assignment is going to be for how many years? About uh, three years? Three years. I would think three years. Um, but the, it could be uh, as soon as two years, like Father Jonathan Moray. Um, uh-huh. I think it could be as early as two years or as late as three years, only because of my financial background. Not too many priests in general have a business background. Okay. And so, um, so that gives me a lot of... I would say leverage or leeway. I don't know what's the word, but it, it 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 counts me towards being a pastor a lot quicker. Okay, because I have that background and because then, of that experience of that you experience. have. Uh-huh. Okay, so, all right. So so you're you're looking totally at at being a pastor, not like doing some kind of financial thing in the archdiocese or anything. Are there any positions like that in the archdiocese? Oh, they are, but they're run by lay people. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So they never put a. a not that I know of. Okay. Not that I know of. So um, let's backtrack. So before you find out your um, assignment, do they give you any hints? Do any of the priests give you any hints, or do they do they ask you questions like, "Hey, you know, what kind of parish would you like to go to? Is there is there anything like that?" Or yeah. So um, in March is when the the four of us gets to sit down with the priest personnel board. Okay. And follow that. Is one of them, if you didn't know that. Uh, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he's one of them. He, this is his last year, I believe. But um, so what happened is that they will ask us lots of questions and t- t- to answer that question of yours. Uh-huh. Um, they'll ask a lot of questions. And one of the questions they did ask was, you know, as your first assignment as a priest, what would you like to have? And uh, the three criteria I told you was basically what I told to the personnel board. And uh-huh. so those, those were, were, were the thing. Then your other question about whether we know or they hinted or anything. No, they were very good at keeping (laughs) their mouth shut of giving any hints whatsoever. I mean, I found out later that they, uh, the person, the Cardinal DiNardo um, uh, assigned me to St. Martha at the beginning of May. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so the pastor, Father, I tried. It was mum, nothing. It was mother. Father, that. Uh, wow. uh, did um, uh, uh, took the four of us out for for lunch at, uh-huh. at the rectory here at St. Faustina Rectory, uh-huh. and and this is like in like um, I don't know what time what day was it was probably June. Uh-huh. No, 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 it was it was sometime in May, right before we we're ordained. You know, we we're trying to like say something to get him say something. Uh huh. Nothing. No hints. No whatsoever. hints whatsoever. They're really good at it. Wow. Yeah. Poker faces and all, huh? I don't know about poker face, but they 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 tried to avoid. They tried to go around the conversation, the topic, yeah, all that. All that. So that must have been a fun conversation. You just trying to pull it out of them. Oh yeah, all, all the priests, because uh, we because uh, we actually know at least for me, I know uh, I I knew because uh, the personal board has changed a little bit, but at the time uh, I I knew like pretty much most of them, and I tried to get something out of them. Uh huh. They, they didn't say anything. Try to pull a hint or two out of it. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. Nothing. nothing. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So now that you're in your current position, you're your parochial vicar, you're finally there. What does that feel like when you finally arrive at the parish? You're like, this is what I've been waiting for. What is that feeling like? Just pure excitement. Uh, just get, just move and get going and, and start getting to know your, your the flock that has been trusted to me uh-huh. and just go at it. What what were you looking forward to the most about being a priest? Definitely the sacraments, um, celebrating mass for sure, and then and then confession. Um, it, it's it's uh, an anointing of the sick. Um, 
it's just amazing. Like I, I don't know, I don't know how to describe the feeling of what it means to confect a Eucharist to make it to make that into the body and blood of Christ, or uh-huh. to absolve somebody's sins, or to anoint somebody. I mean, like. Yeah, it, it it's just indescribable. Yeah, huh? it's un, it's indescribable for, for for me. What has surprised you the most about this whole process of your discernment? You know, the, your diaconate ear, your your ordination, and finally priesthood. The surprise would be um, people are hungry for spiritual fatherhood, and just. For you know, I I didn't I had sort of a small sense of that as a seminarian, you know, like just the mere fact when they somebody found out I'm a seminarian, they're like just overjoy, you know, um, wanting to get to know me. But um, for sure now as a priest, within just a couple months now, like like they're hungry for the presence of their clergy, of their parish priests, and um, and it's like. I want to give as much as I can to the people who are hungry for for that, and so that was a huge surprise in how much like how much of a rare species or a rare type of person people we are uh-huh. in in even in the Catholic world. Like that's that's I mean that was just surprising to me. Um, in terms of shock um, or what I really kind of expect. No matter what happened in in my life, especially in the seminary with whatever challenges that comes up, uh, God always provides. God always provides that whatever need I have, and uh, He's going to find some way to take care of that need of mine. And that was just kind of like like a re- real shock for me, and just really like trusting in our Lord that you know things will be okay. I don't have to worry too much about it, and uh-huh. as long as I trust in the Lord, He'll He'll provide. What advice do you have to somebody who's discerning priesthood, someone who's thinking about entering the seminary, or somebody who may be in the seminary right now? What advice would you give them? That's a three part question. So uh, <laughs> the first one who is just maybe thinking about uh-huh. priesthood. Or being open to the idea of priesthood, yes. I would say my advice to them is um, really spend time in prayer. Um, it could be maybe silent scripture reading, uh, fifteen minutes a day. It could be once a week, a holy hour in front of the uh, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. It could be going to mass more. It could be um, going through spiritual direction. It, whatever it is, just spend more time. In prayer, because if I think, um, if God is calling this person to have him become a his Jesus priest, that can only be known through prayer. Um, sure, people encouragement, sure, maybe people's examples, but it's that it's that communication in prayer for those people, for those guys, for those ones who are in seminary. Um, my advice to them would be. Really, two. Um, one, really take the studies seriously um, uh-huh. in terms of learning uh, and then keeping that habit of learning even after seminary. Because as a priest already, especially at St. Martha, where I try to really teach in my homilies, I keep it short, keep it to the point, a lot of animation on my part to kind of make it interesting. But I, 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 do, I do research and making my homily to where I'm breaking open the word of God to the people. Uh-huh. And so my advice is to 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 that those seminarians is that really learn and, and try to incorporate your learning into your homilies or teaching RCIA class or adult faith formation class, whatever it may be, because again, people are hungry for God in general, um, especially in the, in the Catholic world. Um, the other two second advice to the seminarian will be um, learn to ha- learn to take initiative of getting to know your people, taking initiative to, to get to know your people and be present to them because 
they don't expect their priest because they they will all think I think all Catholic laity would think that their priest is busy and, and we are busy. Uh-huh. But if you can find ways to make time for them, even as a simple maybe phone call or email or handwritten note or um, show up to their ministry for five minutes and ten minutes, say hi, greet, and then maybe leave or something like that. Just show up and be involved and, uh-huh. and, and and take the initiative of yourself and to the people. If you learn that as a seminarian, you can, you're going to do well as a priest because people want that from their priests. Even just that five minutes. Even just that five minutes. I mean, coffee and donuts after mass, assuming that there resumes after some of these parishes, right? Yes. Just show up and say hi. Like I mean, people people are going to notice that. People are going to notice that. So. All right. Well, we thank you so much for taking the time to come in, to be on the show, and to to also give your thoughts about your you know your whole discernment process and and advice to to people who are discerning priesthood and we. We, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you.